and welcome to episode number 220 of the Lions Podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by Stephen Andrus. You can find him over on the Twitter machine at Stephen Andrus1. You can find me at Matt Brown M2. And we are going to talk the AFC North. This is a very interesting division with at least three teams that might be able to make some noise, one team kind of in rebuilding mode, but who knows? It is a proud franchise and maybe they surprise everybody. I doubt it, but we will, uh, we'll see how it all plays out again. If you're watching us on YouTube, love if you hit that subscribe button down there, really do appreciate that. Um, we got some good stuff that's coming on this channel. Everything absolutely free over the course of the football season. So you'll want to be a subscriber anyway. And if you're listening to us on the audio version of everything, subscribe, rate, and review. Really, if you drop a comment in there, it does help us climb the charts. And it's pretty important here in the preseason. We won't beat this. We won't beat you over the head with this during the during the season. But during preseason, we are going to try to climb those charts so more people see this podcast. So if you could just drop in there and just say like, hey, it was good. We would really appreciate that. But Stephen, um, Very interesting division here. Very interesting from a standpoint of you have a a returning Super Bowl team here. You have a could the injury bug be a little bit better team here. You have a what in the hell is happening at the quarterback position team here. And then you have a oh man, our quarterback retired, but he should have retired three years ago because he left us in a really bad spot team in this division. It, from a betting standpoint, it's pretty interesting, too, because a team that went to the Super Bowl last year is not the favorite to win this division at a lot of books. So we can have that conversation between the Ravens and the Bengals coming up. Um, we can have the conversation about the elephant in the room. That's Deshaun Watson. And what you think of this division largely revolves around how many games you think he's going to play this year. As we record this on Thursday, August the 4th, he is suspended for six games but the latest developments that we'll get into when we talk about the Browns is that this might not be over yet and the NFL is still going for a much lengthier suspension yeah it is it is one of those things where we are sitting here and trying to figure out you know from a betting standpoint it's really tough to 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 recommend some bets but at least we can give a full breakdown of the team and then we can kind of go from there with with everything. and Matt sometimes so. the most important thing is recommending what not to bet on too and that mm-hmm. might be the case with the Cleveland Browns and, and the Pittsburgh Steelers as well so it's either way we're going to have some bets that we're going to have for me personally going to have some stuff that I'm going to tell you not to bet on as well all right Stephen let's talk some Baltimore Ravens this is a team that has been incredibly, incredibly unfortunate from the injury standpoint the last couple of seasons. I mean, have been losing guys in preseason, losing guys in training camp, losing guys all over the place. And so it's kind of hard to truly assess this team over the last couple of seasons because, you know, listen, they've kind of gone in really and truly without any sort of semblance of what they thought they were going to be going into as the season got going. So I've kind of given them a break and really just tried to evaluate them as what I think this team is on paper here. Of course, John Harbaugh coming in as head coach, longtime head coach for this squad, one of the better head coaches in all the NFL by pretty much every metric that's out there. Greg Roman, offensive coordinator, Mike McDonald, defensive coordinator, and you know, if we look at what they did in the offseason, who they brought in and who went out 
It's a little bit unbalanced, but I still think that this team's roster is pretty solid. They brought in Marcus Williams at safety. They brought in Michael Pierce, a defensive lineman. They brought in right tackle Morgan Moses for a big signing, and they bring in corner Kyle Fuller. Now, headed out of town, they traded Hollywood Brown to the Cardinals. Brandon Williams, Anthony Averett, Derek Wolf, Bradley Bozeman, Jimmy Smith, Sammy Watkins, Tavon Young, Chris Board. All those guys are out of town here for this Ravens squad, all of which the, all of those guys played at least 50 percent of the snaps as well for this team last year. So it is a bunch of guys on the move. I do like their pickups in Marcus Williams, Michael Pierce, Morgan Moses, Kyle Fuller. I think those are all solid signings for them. And again, if they can just stay healthy, at least the starters on this team from a roster standpoint are pretty solid. My opinion on this Ravens team going into the season is that they are a playoff team because of everything you just mentioned. But I reject the notion of what the market currently has them as right now as the favorite to win this division at anywhere between plus 155 to plus 165. And the Cincinnati Bengals still available at some books as we record this at two to one. Uh, I I can't get there for that. And we'll we'll discuss the, the reasons why. I am bullish on the Bengals, despite playing a tougher schedule here in a moment. But um, so so that's kind of where I'm at. I think this is a wild card team. I think this is a team that was eight and three on December 1st last year before they had one too many injuries, including Lamar Jackson. Uh, But at the same time, eight of those wins in their first 11 games were fourth quarter comebacks. So how sustainable is that? Um, so, you know, you could look at it one of two ways. You can look at it as they are, were elite when Lamar Jackson was on the field, or you can look at it as it might not be sustainable. So mm-hmm. I do think that what we saw with the Ravens offense last year is absolutely not what they want to be. In 2019 and 2020, this was a team that was top two in the league in run rate. And in 2021, the Ravens were the seventh most pass heavy team in the NFL up from 30th in 2020. And what have they done this offseason? They traded Marquise Brown. They didn't add a single wide receiver in the draft or free agency. Hmm, I wonder what they're going to want to do this year. They're going to they're going to get back to the run. They want to be run heavy. So they got Ronnie Staley back, their left tackle from injury, who they lost earlier in the season. And really, the only true high pedigree receiver they have is Rashad Bateman because they've pretty much struck out at the wide receiver position in the last three years in the draft, and they're banking on their most recent first round pick, Bateman. To, to pick up the pieces there. So um, I do think this is a run heavy team, but I can't get there to making them the favorite in this division because there are too many concerns with their passing offense. And in particular, Lamar Jackson as a passer, if you look at his advanced stats. Yeah, it is. It is certainly an, an interesting way that they went about it in the off season. I mean, I'm I'm looking here. I took a piece of J.K. Dobbins way long time way a long time ago for offensive player of the year. That doesn't look like he's going to pan out. We don't even yeah. know for sure if he's going to be out there week one uh, for the same reasons you did because when they went the way that they went in the draft and we'll, we'll I'll get to that right now actually. So first round they had two first round picks. They took safety Kyle Hamilton with a first round pick and the, then they took center Tyler Linderbaum with a first round pick. They come back in the second round. They take David Ajabo at linebacker who's a great player. Don't get me wrong. 
wrong. It was just a lot of people were going screaming, hey, you need a wide receiver, you need a wide receiver. They get a really good linebacker in the second round, David Ajabo, but still wasn't a wide receiver. Third round, did they take one there? No. Defensive tackle, Travis Jones in the third round. Fourth round, offensive tackle, Daniel Flally. So you're you're looking here, another fourth round pick, a corner in, in, in Jalen Armour Davis, another fourth round pick, and they take a tight end in Charlie Kohler, another fourth round pick, Isaiah Likely, and then in corner, a cornerback in the fourth. This was a record for a team to have uh, six fourth round picks like the Ravens did, and they still didn't even take a flyer on <laughs> a, a wide receiver. You know, I mean, they had six picks in the fourth round. They still didn't even take a flyer on a wideout. So whenever you look at what this lineup is going to look like, this is why a lot of people I think are a little bit down on this squad. And, and you know, look, me included, even though I think that they're, they're fine from a roster standpoint overall, it's you're asking a lot of Rashad Bateman and Devin Duvernay and Prochet and to, to step up. I mean, listen, Mark Andrews, at this point, that's, that's the their number age one of, wide receiver, right? right? With, with the age of Kelsey and the the age of some of these other tight ends that have been studs or so, who knows? Mark Andrews might be the best tight end in the game right now, right? but but that's your number one receiver. It's a, it's a tight end, and that is what bothers me, Stephen. It's the same thing we used to talk about last year on the podcast with this team, and that was. What happens when they get down? Yes, as a front runner, this team should be a, a world beater, right? I mean, the way that they go about things, they should be absolute world beaters. They've got the 11th easiest schedule in all the NFL. They've got a good offensive line. They've got a great secondary. I mean, like other teams, you know, shouldn't be able if they are able to get ahead of squads, other teams shouldn't be able to come back on them very easily when you're talking about Marcus Peters, Marlon Humphrey, Kyle Fuller, Marcus Williams, and then they drafted Kyle Hamilton. I mean, that is a solid, solid secondary. So there's a lot of, there are some, some really positives to this squad as well. But my worry is when they get down in games, can't teams just double cover Mark Andrews. And then it's like beat us with Rashad Bateman, or Devin Duvernay, and I just don't know if, if, if that's going to be able to, to happen. Yeah, I mean, I see why the market is betting the Ravens. I just I just can't get there with the logic. It's, you know, we hate strength of schedule as a metric overall because the, the mainstream sports media uses it by looking at previous year's record, which is ridiculous. But Sharp Football does a good job of giving a strength of schedule based on opponent win totals this year. So what the market is telling us, that what it's going to be. And the Ravens have the 11th easiest by that measure. And the Bengals have the sixth toughest and combine that with the Ravens being healthy this year. Uh, that helps too. But the passing game here with Lamar Jackson was a major concern last year. They, they were Lamar was 27th in expected completion percentage and 17th in completion percentage over expectation. He was a below average EPA passer. And even when he was not pressured, he was 25th and also 28th in EPA on first downs. So 15.2% of his passes were incomplete due to inaccuracy. So his fault, and that ranked bottom five among quarterbacks last year. So the concerns for the pass game are still there. So why might the market be 
installing the Ravens as a favorite to win this division. I do think it's the schedule. If you look at the teams that they're playing on their schedule, it flips from last year. They have a lot of inexperienced quarterbacks that they're facing. Kenny Pickett, Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, Trevor Lawrence, Daniel Jones, Tua, maybe Jacoby Brissett twice, Sam Darnold or Baker Mayfield, and Marcus Mariota. And you can maybe throw Jameis Winston into that mix as an easy quarterback. I wouldn't, but perhaps you would. So the schedule of opposing quarterbacks for this defense to feast on is there. And if the running game is better, this offense should do enough because when Lamar was on the field from week one to 13 last year, we mentioned the passing issues, but overall as an offense, they were seventh in the league in success rate and fifth and sixth in rush EPA and success rate. So To your point, they only had a halftime lead in eight of the 17 games because their defense was just decimated. They were getting rolled on last year. So all that being said, the only bet I like for the Baltimore Ravens this year is Lamar Jackson over 849 and a half rushing yards. This is off market. Uh, compared to a couple of other books, you can use our prop finder at the lines.com to figure out which book it's at. In his last two healthy seasons, he went over a thousand yards. In fact, at 1200 in his MVP year, if you look at his career rushing yards per game average, he can miss three games and still hit this over. And last year, he was 100 yards shy of hitting this over when he only played in 12 games. So I think this number is short on Lamar Jackson rushing yards. And every indication the Ravens have given us this offseason is that they're going to get back to the run. I just don't think they should be the favorite to win the division. Yeah, I, I, I guess the only narrative based thing here would be, and I'm not saying that this is something that is necessarily actionable, but it is something to at least bring up, right? Is will there be is any hesitancy to run the ball? Should he not have that new contract yet? Right. Because we saw Debo Samuel be like, hey, I ain't being a running back if you aren't going to pay me like that ain't going to happen. Right. And then that he gets paid and, and actually ends up getting a bonus. It's, it's the coaches. Here, here's my thing, though, Matt. It's the coaches asses if they don't call the plays that give them the yeah. best chance to win. And it's not like Lamar Jackson is up there audibling out of a bunch of run plays either. So. Um, I, it's Lamar Jackson is his own agent, so it's on him to get to the negotiating table and get his money. It would be the smart thing to do, but I don't think it's going to change necessarily how they call the offense if he doesn't have his contract. The best number you can find on them to win the Super Bowl is 22 to 1 out there. If you are interested in that, be sure and shop around. And one plus 165, the best number you can find for the Ravens to win the AFC North Cleveland Browns, a lot of stuff still swirling about this team. And this is one of the teams why it's tough to kind of preview them fully, but we'll do the best we can here. Kevin Stefanski's back. So we at least know that Alex Van Pelt at offensive coordinator, Joe Woods at defensive coordinator. So at least the, the coaching staff is intact. Uh, trade for Deshaun Watson, as you know, trade for Amari Cooper. As you know, they signed Jacoby Brissett as backup. They retained David Njoku. They signed Taven Bryan, a defensive lineman. Shaquem Grant, a wide receiver, now out of town. Jarvis Landry is gone. Austin Hooper is gone. Troy Hill is gone. Rashard Higgins is gone. J.C. Treader is out of town. Tack McKinley, Malik Jackson. So they did have some significant losses on this team as well. But if you look, I mean, I think overall it would be very, very, very hard for us to say that this team didn't get exponentially better 
in the offseason when you talk about bringing in a quarterback, the stature of Deshaun Watson and a wide receiver, the stature of Amari Cooper. Now, in the draft, they didn't have a pick until the third round. So no first round pick, no second round pick. They're, uh, they did a multiple third round picks. So with those picks, they used it on Martin Emerson, who's a cornerback, Alex Wright, who's a defensive end. And they did take David Bell, a wide receiver in the third round, who might end up actually seeing some action this year for this team. They took a defensive tackle and Perry and Winfrey in the fourth round. And then they took a kicker in Cade York in the fourth round, who actually looks like he is going to, uh, to be the starting kicker there for Cleveland as well. Right now, as we record this, Stephen, they are the best number you can find a three to one plus 300 out there on the Browns to win the NFC North. If you're talking about a Super Bowl number, if you did want to bet the squad, the best you can find is a 25 to one. You cannot bet on the Browns right now to do anything worth value with this Deshaun Watson situation still hanging in the air. And as we record this on August the 4th, let me let me be blunt. I think the Browns are fucked because all the talk about taking judge and jury powers out of the commissioner's hands in the new CBA has gone out the window, it seems, because, yes, they had an initial ruling from an impartial judge that laid down six games. But then Adam Schefter tweets the CBA allows, quote, the appeal to be processed on an expedited basis and the commissioner or his designee may, quote, overturn, reduce, modify, or increase the discipline previously issued, and it will be final and binding on all parties. Sum that up for you. The commissioner can still lay down whatever suspension he wants on appeal. How the players union agreed to this after crying and crying and crying about the commissioner having judge and jury powers, I'll never know to still let him do this on appeal. But my prediction, and this is just one man's opinion, they've been very clear that they want to suspend him for the full season. And it appears on appeal under the CBA, they still have the power to do that. So, Yes, Deshaun Watson could potentially pull a Tom Brady and take this to federal court and delay it to the following season, however it plays out. But let's not forget, he structured his contract extension to take the minimum salary this year, anticipating a suspension so that he could get a lot more money the following season. So it would cost Deshaun Watson a hell of a lot of money to take this to federal court and risk his suspension getting moved to the 2023 season. So my prediction is the NFL and Roger Goodell is going to pull his power, suspend him for the season, and Watson's going to take it because he doesn't want to lose more money. So short of the Browns trading for Jimmy Garoppolo, who's still floating around out there, like this is a team with elite position groups basically everywhere other than quarterback, but that still makes them around a 500 team for me. So to bet any type of futures on them at this juncture would be unwise because even if they make the playoffs, what are they going to do with a Jacoby Brissett or a best case scenario, Jimmy Garoppolo? They're not going to do anything. Yeah, I don't I don't know if it's in their best interest even to to bring in Garoppolo because I mean, I, I, I think we could I think we could like argue whether he's even exponent, you know, I don't really think they'll trade for than, him. I think it would have to be like yeah, they, he, they caught him and they got a release. Him. Yeah, it had to be a release type situation. And and I look at it from a is he really even that much better than Jacoby Brissett? I mean, that's probably that's yeah. worth probably arguing, you know, as well with this team as we sit right now. Um, 
regular season win total for for this team had been pulled down and it's that's why it's tough for us also to talk about this team i have uh, the movement from, if you want it from from what it was it was nine and a half in the summer it was eight and a half just before this possible season-long suspension update to make the playoffs when he was suspended six games it was minus 110 both ways but then this news started trickle out that he might still be gone for the whole year so the market started moving back towards no at minus 130 and then the books pulled it off the board and now their division price has gone from around plus 230 a little more bullish when it was only six games and it's now back down to around plus 300 everywhere yeah, the, the the price, I think, is appropriate because, I mean, frankly, even with Deshaun Watson, I think this is, you know, the second best team in the division. I don't think it's the best team in the division. I think you could argue that maybe there's even a third that they're the third best team in the division. And, and listen, that doesn't that's not saying this team's bad. It just means this is a really good football division when you're talking about Cincinnati and Baltimore and Cleveland's in there as well. Now, there are some things working for this team. If it does not end up being a season-long suspension, I do not believe it'll end up being a season-long suspension. I think they'll end up meeting somewhere in the middle because if the arbiter said six games, they wanted a year, I think there's going to be some sort of something in the middle um, with all of this. It's the eighth easiest schedule in all of the NFL. And not only is it the eighth easiest schedule in all of the NFL, it starts out very easy. So if it's, let's call it eight games or something along that, that nature, you're starting out Carolina jets, Steelers, Falcons. That's your first four games. You can win all of those with Jacoby Brissett. Like you can win every single one of those games with Jacoby Brissett for sure. Then you play the chargers and then you play the, the Patriots of which we don't really know what that team's going to be either. So the first six weeks, five of the six games, Steven, are winnable, doesn't matter who you have at quarterback. Matt, in fact, they have the easiest early schedule in regards to opponent rush defenses. So combine the elite offensive line, the running backs, top five defense, their bottom 10 in pace for situation neutral, uh, and whether they're up one score or down one score last season. So this is a team that I am going to be interested in backing as a small favorite or an underdog early in the season with the weak opponents that they're facing, because I think the rest of the roster is very strong. Mm-hmm. Um, now, one market that stood out to me and hat tip to one of our new writers, Derek Wagner, for pointing this out. Go to the lines.com and under the odds tab, hit the player prop finder tool and search Nick Chubb. There's an opportunity here where there is a two touchdown difference between books on a season long rushing uh, touchdown prop. You can find one book where he's at eight and a half. You can find another book where he's at ten and a half. So I decided I'm going to put like 11 units on on this. Uh, split it between the over eight and a half and the under ten and a half. And with the juice, even if it doesn't fall into that nine or ten touchdown range, I've only lost one unit with the juice with the option or the, or the potential to win ten units. So this is a rare find. That tip to Derek for finding it. So as we record this, hopefully it's there when you guys listen back and see it. Uh, but yeah, there's a one book has eight and a half touchdowns for Nick Chubb. Another has ten and a half. Go try and middle that, or just take the the the, the market uh, inefficiency with the Nick Chubb over eight and a half touchdowns. 
Yeah, the offensive line, as you mentioned, I mean, going to be one of the very best in the NFL again. I mean, Jedrick Wills, Joel Batonio, Nick Harris, Wyatt Teller, Jack Conklin, that is just an all-star group for this offensive line. So it is, they're, they're going to have a ton of success on the ground. Yet again, they've averaged 4.8 yards per rush over the last two seasons, and I imagine that's probably going to be pretty close to the same again with that group. And, and as you mentioned, on the defensive side of the ball, Miles Garrett, Jadavian Clowney, really good edge rushers. Now they could use a little bit of help on the interior of that defensive line, but the secondary, absolutely phenomenal. Denzel Ward, Greg Newsom, Greedy Williams, John Johnson, and Grant Delpit. Again, is like when you talk about when you read off the names in this secondary, you read off the names on the offensive line, it seems like it's a Pro Bowl team and it's all on one team right here. So there are some super, super strong units here for the Browns, no doubt about it. It's just with the giant question mark at the quarter back position listen we've seen what Jacoby Brissett is he is going to win a couple of games where you go I can't believe the Browns won that game and then they are going to lose a couple of games where you go Jacoby Brissett was absolutely atrocious we know what he is as a player so you know the the real big question here is will they will they or won't they have Deshaun Watson at all over the course of this season, my guess would be on the back end of the season, but you know, it could be not at all. And so that just makes this a very frustrating, a very tough team to handicap, a very tough team to bet outside of like you're talking about from a player prop perspective and, and really from a player prop perspective on the running back side, because again, we know what we have in this offensive line for sure. We know what we have in the talent of this running back core for sure. So there's at least one constant here and one solid piece of information and one solid opinion that we can make. Yeah. Apologies for the tech issues. If you're watching on YouTube, had a little camera trouble here, but we'll keep rolling. But week one, Matt, first example of this, let's keep an eye on it. And we know public money doesn't move lines. Sharp money moves lines. But right now, as we, as we sit here, I think the Browns are a one point favorite on the road in Carolina if some of this sharp money starts buying into the Baker Mayfield hype and a potentially better offense than the Browns without Deshaun Watson, this flips the other way for whatever reason. I'm going to want to back the Browns as an underdog in this game because I think the collective units here are still better than what Carolina trots out there, even with an improvement on paper in the quarterback situation. So we'll see how it plays out, though. Bet basketball, baseball, or hockey with a risk-free bet up to $600 at BetMGM. Sign up and use bonus code THELINES and you're on your way with the king of sportsbooks. Get the BetMGM app today and use promo code THELINES to make a risk-free bet up to $600. This is a new customer offer. Paid in free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years or older to wager Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia only excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call one 800 522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, and Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. And 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa and Tennessee. Call or text the red line at 800-889-9789. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. Cincinnati Bengals here in 2022. Zach Taylor, your head coach. Brian Callahan, your offensive coordinator. Lou Lou Anarumo is your defensive coordinator here for this squad that did take the L in the Super Bowl. 
Who did they bring in? This was one of the more active teams towards making a goal happen in the offseason. Offensive guard Alex Kappa, massive signing. Right tackle Lyle Collins, massive signing. Center Ted Karras, massive signing. Tight end Hayden Hurst comes in as well for this squad. And basically what you saw here Steven with Cincinnati is they went and they looked and like, listen, we're not going to sign a lot of players, but we're going to sign the players we need, which was a offensive line that was having Joe Burrow run for his life, take a bunch of unnecessary hits, take a bunch of sacks all season long. And they went out and retooled this offensive line to where at least on paper, you are looking at one of the better offensive lines in all the NFL. You're talking about going from one of the worst, a bottom five offensive line into a top 10 offensive line overnight. And you combine that with what what we've seen from the progressions with Joe Burrow, what we've seen with these wide receivers that are absolutely phenomenal. And I think what we're looking at here, you throw in a little bit of Joe Mixon as well. Um, this, this, this offense could be so incredibly fun to watch week to week. Those three offensive linemen that they brought in, you mentioned, all ranked top 20 in grade at their position by PFF last year. What we are seeing with the Bengals, like the Chargers, is a team in a front office fully taking advantage of the cheat code that is the rookie quarterback contract. And for the Bengals, having elite wide receivers on rookie contracts as well, because we've seen those guys making 20 plus million dollars a year on the second contracts now. So this roster is scary in my opinion, and I don't understand why they are the second choice to win this division because, you know, I I know what a lot of people in the market are going to say, that they had a miracle run, they lost in yards per play in those playoff games to get to the Super Bowl. I was arguing with you about this last year, that I thought the Bengals were a little bit fraudulent in those playoffs and, and, um, and, winning games despite some some not sticky stats but full credit to them this offseason they have only gotten better and they have addressed their biggest weakness as you mentioned mentioned the offensive line so I think the market's seeing potentially some some non-sticky stats from last year but I think context really matters here Matt because you know Joe Burrow was unlocked on first downs last year he went from 30th to third in EPA per attempt, 26th to 13th in success rate, 33rd to first in completion percentage. They, But the problem was they had the 10th fewest yards on second down last year. So why wasn't it better? It was because they were 23rd in the NFL in calling passes on first down. I think they were conservative last year in the first half of the season and even bleeding into a little bit of the second half of the season because Joe Burrow was coming off of that ACL and they knew they had an absolutely horrible offensive line. So I think that led to a more conservative game plan for the Bengals early in the season. But as the season went on and we saw them go on their late season run and then to the Super Bowl in the postseason, they were a heck of a lot more pass heavy, especially on early downs. So... I think this is a complete roster. I think the defense in particular needs a lot of credit as well. Lou uh, Anarumo, I think, I'm not sure yet, but learn the name because I think he's a future head coach. Per Sharp Football, from week 11 through the Super Bowl, the Bengals held opponents to three points or less in the third quarter in 10 of those 12 weeks. 
three points or less coming out of the halftime locker room in the third quarter. It's not just Joe Burrow in this offense. It's not just the improved offensive line. It's the defense as well that brought back enough talent to be good again. So give me the Bengals at, at plus 200 or better to win this division. That's that's an easy bet for me, despite the fact that they play a tougher schedule this year. Um, I'm just curious what you think of the offense, because I do think they're going to have to do it a little bit differently than the explosive plays they had last year. Yeah, but I I think the player personnel is there to do what they need to do, right? I mean, like when you have an offensive line where your quarterback's going to have more time to actually make things happen, you're not as reliant, right, on those type of plays. They're going to be able to run a little bit more balanced of an offense. They're going to be able to run an offense that has a, uh, you know, is able to do some underneath stuff, is able to just kind of move the chain, chains in chunks as as opposed to these gigantic splash plays. I mean, when you look, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, that's the best receiving core you're going to find in the NFL whenever you look across the board here. And now with this offensive line, as you mentioned, all of which were at least a 71 or higher by PFF grades this past season. It is going to be night and day for what you're getting from Joe Burrow from from time to throw the football and what you're able when you have time to throw the football, you're able to do a lot more things out there. And and let's not even let's not even forget what they did in the draft as well on the defensive side of the ball. They go out and get Daxton Hill a safety in the first round. They come back with another safety in Cam Taylor Britt in the second round and get a defensive tackle in Zachary Carter, who's likely to be part of the rotation. Uh, he's not going to start for them, but he's likely to be part of the rotation as well. And so you now are looking at some solid, solid secondary guys to go along with Chidobia Woozy as well and, and Bell and Bates. And so you've got a really, really good, talented roster here up and down. You mentioned seventh toughest schedule, and that would be the only hang up when you try to look at this team. And if you want to pick things apart, I get it right. It is a tough schedule. I understand that. But when you have a team as talented as this, I'm not as worried about that, Stephen. I know that sounds a little naive, but I mean, you look and we're looking at this because the reason the schedule is so tough is because Dallas is still projected to be really good. Baltimore, I mean, uh, Cleveland is still projected to have a bunch of wins. They play Cleveland twice. You and I are of the mindset that maybe they won't have as many wins as we think. Tennessee is on this on the schedule. They're predicted with a decent amount of wins. That's why this schedule's coming in as high as it is. I'm down on Tennessee. I'm Same. down on the Dallas. I'm down on the Patriots who are on this schedule as well and kind of boost up this strength of schedule type thing. So for me, I see, I, I understand why it's listed as, as tough a schedule as it is, but I don't think it's going to play out to be as tough a schedule as it looks like here preseason. And so I'm pretty bullish on this Bengals team again. I understand. Yeah, I know I'm a Joe Burrow stand in the whole nine yards and I get all that. And, and it's it's, you know, I I do have an affinity for Jesus H. Burrow. But, but he's earned you, it, though. Jesus has right. earned it, man. Right. But but if you look at what they've got, I mean, it is a it is a upper half defensive line. It is a top 10 offensive line. It is a top Top 10 secondary. It's the number one wide receiver group in the in in the uh, NFL. It is a top five quarterback in the NFL. I mean, we're we are getting every single thing that you would want from a team here. So I get it. Steven, people want to say, ah, it's recency bias. And the only reason you guys like the Bengals is because of that run from last year. 
No, actually, you just said you actually didn't like them last year. Like you were you were sitting there trying to pick apart every single thing about this team. And, and instead, you sit and you look and you say, hey, look, they got exponentially better at their biggest weakness. And I think this team is a real contender. And I really do. I think this team is a real contender. Maybe we're sitting here by week 10 and saying, oh, wow, I can't believe I was saying that about Cincinnati. But as we sit here in the preseason, and I've dug into this team pretty deep. I think this is a true contender. I like them to win that division as well. That number that you just mentioned. I don't know if I can get there on the Super Bowl just because I think that the the AFC is just going to be so yeah. tough to get out of. It's just such a murderer's row, but there is a 22 to 1 out there if you are looking to play them for the Super Bowl, which a, a team did make it to the Super Bowl last year and getting 22 to 1 the next year when we think they got better is at least the case to be made for that squad, but hey, look, plus 210 at DraftKings right now, over 2 to 1. For them to win the AFC North, I think, is is the play to make here. Just thinking about it right now off the top of my head, I think this, to me, is the third best team in the AFC. I can't put them ahead of the Chargers and the Bills. I have the Chargers, number one. You can go back to our, our AFC West podcast to hear why I love the Chargers and I'm down a little bit on the Chiefs. But I have to put the Bengals ahead of the Chiefs now with the additional offseason moves that they made. And I actually see a lot of similarities with the the Patrick Mahomes progression that we saw with him in that offense and the roster and now what they've had to do with him on the second contract. But the Bengals have done the same thing that they did with the young Patrick Mahomes. They were very explosive. They had young, cheap, elite Pass-catching talent in the offense. You mentioned the three wide receivers are the best group in the NFL. Here's the key quote, I think, from Joe Burrow. I think he told us exactly what's going to happen this year with his offense. He said, quote, the offense has to not rely on the big plays as much. Teams are going to be playing. Excuse me. Sorry about that. Teams are going to be playing too high and making us check the ball down. So we've got to be able to sustain drives and run the ball and take what the defense gives us all the way up and down the field and then take those opportunities when they present themselves, end quote. So the Chiefs saw a lot more too high in recent years, but they still rank number two in EPA, number one in success rate. Just that defense cut down their explosive plays last year to 19th. So I think the Bengals are potentially going to have to be more patient. But now you mentioned the offensive line. That's the key to this. If the defenses are going to play off more and cut away some of those explosive plays, Now you have an improved offensive line that ranked 29th last year in yards before contact for their running backs. That's not going to be the case this year. So now it's a pick your poison situation. You either back off to prevent some of the explosive plays. And if you do that, you're going to have running backs who were fifth in yards after contact last year, getting more yards before contact with an improved offensive line. So uh, I don't know how you're going to stop this offense. The only possible possible theory I can come up with is Zach Taylor, the head coach, not getting out of his own way. But even I have to give him credit last year, mid season, he shifted from a very conservative to a very aggressive offense. And I would like to see more in terms of scheme. The Bengals were bottom 10 last year in pre-snap motion and play action. So I'd like to see more of that. But I think last year was Case and point that this talent is more than capable of overcoming 
any coaching coaching deficiencies that might exist. So I, that's not enough for me to downgrade this team because of some opinion about Zach Taylor. Joe Mixon's regular season, if you want to do rushing and receiving, is 1,350 yards. Rushing yards is sitting at about 1,050, 1,049 and a half out there. So that's where he's looking at. Rushing touchdowns sitting about nine and a half for Mixon. I think he could have a pretty, pretty massive year. Pittsburgh Steelers. This shouldn't take us long, Stephen. Uh, Mike, Mike Tomlin, Matt Canada, Terrell Austin is your coaching staff here. Who comes in? James Daniels, Miles Jack, Mason Cole, Mitch Trubisky, Levi Wallace. Out, of course, Big Ben retired. Juju Smith-Schuster's gone. Ray-Ray McLeod is gone. Trey Turner's gone. James Washington is gone. Where did they make their big, big splash? That would be taking Kenny Pickett in the first round. Will he play this season? My guess is at some point, yes, but we shall see. George Pickens, a wide receiver in the second round. DeMarvin Leaf, a defensive end in the third round. Calvin Austin, a wide receiver in the fourth round for this squad, who was the 25th offense DVOA last year, according to Football Outsiders. I can only imagine it's going to hover somewhere in that neighborhood again this year. It is the fourth toughest schedule in the NFL as we enter 2022. So there's just not a lot going right for this team. Stephen, uh, not a lot of not certainly not a lot. Whenever you look at the 30th ranked offensive line heading into the season with either Mitch Trubisky or a rookie quarterback, under center, no projected starting lineman had a grade over 71 for pro football focus and their tackles last year in more and a core four had 57 and 62 ratings last year on the offensive side. I think this is going to be a slog of a season for this squad. I think it's going to be brutal at times to watch this team on the offensive side of the ball. And even though there are some Playmakers, Of course, George Pickens, I do think down the line is going to be a really good player in this league. You still have Chase Claypool. You do have Najee Harris with that offensive line like that, with the quarterback situation that it is. I just don't see a bunch of sunshine and rainbows here for the Steelers team. What happens when you have an offensive line as bad as the Bengals last year? but you don't have Joe Burrow. You have the Pittsburgh Steelers offense. And my hot take for this season is that the streak of 18 seasons without a losing record ends this year Mm -hmm. for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I will be betting them under seven and a half wins sometime here in the next week. They have the cheapest offensive line in the NFL, and it's $3 million less than the next cheapest. And they got what they paid for because bottom Uh, Bottom three in pass block win rate and run block win rate last year. Still likely that bottom five unit, as you mentioned, because they brought back four of the same five offensive linemen again. The left tackle, Dan Moore, 75th among tackles by PFF. The left guard, Kevin Dodson, number 51 guard by PFF. The center, Kendrick Green, was 35th among centers out of 40. He's competing with Mason Cole, who allowed an 8.1% pressure rate, worst among all centers with 100-plus pass block snaps last year. So that's not going to be an upgrade. Right guard James Daniel, former second-round pick, that might be the only upgrade on this offensive line. And the right tackle, Chiwuma Okafor, number 64-graded tackle out of 88 by PFF. And and now throw in throw in a quarterback that hasn't started in multiple seasons or a rookie, one of the two. And so this just equals bad situation, man. I I mean, Najee Harris 
less than one yard before contact last year, dead last among running backs, bottom five and several other team rushing metrics as well was the Pittsburgh Steelers. So, I mean, what's what's more likely going to happen here, Matt, that they're going to somehow be more pass heavy or that the Steelers are going to go to their old fashioned ways with a young quarterback and want to run the ball even more. So they're going to put their quarterbacks in really tough down and distance situations here to pick up first downs. And I just I don't think they're going to be efficient enough running the ball. Here's here's the craziest part. I mentioned how bad they were on yards before contact per rush. That was with facing the third lowest seven plus man boxes in the league. Yeah. They weren't even facing heavy boxes last year. No, because nobody was threatened by Ben Roethlisberger, and, and and they're not going to be they're not going to be threatened by Mr. Trubisky or Kenny Pickens either. And so it's it's going to be a lot of the same, in my opinion. Now, now it's not all bad here. The defensive line, obviously, anytime you have T.J. Watt and Cam Hayward, you have a pretty damn good building block. Alex Highsmith has at least some upside, possibly left in the tank as well. So the defensive line certainly is a, a massive strength by any stretch of the, like by any metric, right? I mean, like TJ Watt, Cam Hayward, Alex Heisman, that, that, that's going to be very good. The problem is, is if they don't get pressure, the secondary is absolute garbage. And so it's like, if they don't get pressure and make these guys have to throw super quick and, and disrupt what's going on with the quarterbacks, they're not going to be able to cover anybody. I mean, Cam Sutton, Levi Wallace, Akilla Witherspoon, Mika Fitzpatrick, Terrell Edmonds. These are all bottom of the barrel at their position type guys. Edmonds and Fitzpatrick had grades of 58 and 57.2 last year. Wallace and Sutton sitting there at at the corner positions are sitting there at 62 and 59 respectively. So you are talking a really like a bottom five secondary paired up with a top five defensive line. So there's going to be so much pressure on Watt and Hayward and those guys to get pressure. And if, and if they don't teams are going to throw for days uh, uh, against this squad. So I'm with you, Steven, seven, seven, eight, eight wins for the over on the win total to get there for this squad. I, I just do not see it. I don't, I have not seen it. I've tried to reevaluate how I look at this team to make sure that I wasn't just biased coming into the year because of how bad they were last year. And I just do not see any real big adjustments here that, that changes the way that I, that that I view this squad. I think it's going to be a real, real, real rough season here for the Steelers team. I was kind of subscribing to the narrative that Big Ben was so bad last year that any young quarterback would be an improvement over him going into the season. And then I started doing some digging into this, and I don't subscribe to that anymore. I think yeah. it's a false narrative. I mean, if if you look at, again, Big Ben was dead last in dot and, and dead last in success rate on passes 10-plus yards downfield last year, and the offensive line is still horrendous. These quarterbacks are going to get pressured. Maybe they can do some more off-script stuff with Trubisky in there and get out of the pocket, but you know, then you're relying on Trubisky to be accurate while on the run, which is a whole other discussion. And the yeah. coaching staff, again, was just league average with Ben Roethlisberger in terms of their pass rate on early downs last year. Do you really believe that they're going to be above average in pass rate with younger, inexperienced quarterbacks on early downs this year? I think this coaching staff is old fashioned. I think they're going to go back to run heavy approach um, unless unless Kenny Pickett can somehow show that he's 
able to deal with this offensive line, but it's not like they drafted an athlete. They drafted a pocket passer. And it's hard for me to make Najee Harris bets because for a couple of reasons, when the offensive line is so bad and you expect them to be down in so many games, it's hard to make Najee Harris bets because there's just, there's not a lot of upside for a guy that's going to be playing from behind and behind such a horrible offensive line. So that's the other thing about this is like, there's not even a, an easy path to a bet from, from that side of things. So for me, it's just a, it's a pass outside of the win total, which I'm going to take the under, I might even play an alt number under. I think uh-huh. there's a chance this could be a five. I think this, I think there's a, a, a decent chance. This could be a five or six win team this year. And so that's kind of where I stand on, on the Steelers and, it's, uh, you know, they are certainly the outlier in this division with three other pretty good squads. There is a rushing prop on Najee Harris set at 1,200 yards in the market last year. And I just want to double check to see what he did last year in terms of rushing yards. 1,200 rushing yards on the dot last year, and he didn't miss a single game, and he averaged 3.9 per carry. And we know running backs not missing a game in back-to-back seasons is pretty rare. So for a book to be offering the same exact number as last year, I I think that's them assuming that they're going to run the ball a hell of a lot more. Uh, But the offensive line is trash. He might miss a game, as most running backs do. So I think that line is set closer to its ceiling than it is its its median or or its mean. Guys, we'll be talking some AFC East whenever we come back at you. You're going to preview each one of these divisions, find you some bets, talk about the bets that are already in our accounts as well here along the way. If you want to follow Steven on the Twitter machine at Steven Anders one, you want to follow me at Matt Brown M two. And of course, if you're watching us on YouTube, go ahead, hit the subscribe button. Trust me, you will thank us later. This channel is going to be packed with stuff all football season long and into the NBA season as well. And then of course, if you are listening to us on the audio side of things, subscribe, rate and review, really do appreciate that and help us climb those charts as we try to find more listeners out there. And we do that by you guys giving us some comments and some ratings and some reviews. So thank you a ton for that. Again, all the odds we're getting, you can find over on the lines.com. It's very easy to compare all the odds. Just hit that little prop finder. If you're looking for specific players as well, you can make sure you are getting the best number, the best price that is available in your state. For Steven, I'm Matt. Talk to you guys soon.